Hi, my name is Rod Cleef. I'm host of the Lifetime Cashflow Podcast. And I want to take a second and talk about my friend Adam Adams and his events. Now, I've been blessed to speak at his events, and I know he's known as one of the top meetup organizers on the planet. But let me just say this about Adam. If he's, if he's having an event, go to it. Adam focuses on adding absolutely as much value as possible. He comes with my highest endorsement. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. I cannot believe that we are already in this far into August and coming up to the Raising Money Summit. It's only a few weeks away. I've got a bunch of amazing speakers and I want you to hear from them now. So check out what a couple of them are going to be speaking about at the Raising Money Summit. And I'll see you there October 3rd, 4th and 5th. Hi everyone, my name is Ramakrishna. One of the important aspects that changed my business is how I get my soft commitments. And I'm going to explain you the step-by-step process, how you can get $3 million of sub-commitment for your next either multifamily deal or a startup or whatever that you're trying to raise capital. You know, come see me in Denver in October 1st week. Don't miss this. And then you will be really amazed how soft commitments will help you not to be nervous in raising money for your next deal. Thank you. See you there. Hi, I'm Jillian Sidoti from one of the top syndication law firms in the country, Trowbridge Sidoti, crowdfundinglawyers.net. And there's a massive controversy going on right now in the world of raising private money. And that has to do with using your network to raise money for you. I see a lot of people doing this. I get a lot of phone calls about it. And a lot of people are doing it wrong. I want you to do it right. I want you to do it right. I want you to raise more money than you ever have before. And I want you to use your network. So I'm going to teach you how to rock your network for your money raising. You will raise more money this year than you ever have before if you follow what I tell you October 3rd through the 5th at the annual Raising Money Summit. It's in Denver. You need to join us. The annual Raising Money Summit, October 3rd through 5th. And I'm going to teach you how to rock your network to raise more money than you ever have before. Hey, this is Matt Terrio of Epic Real Estate, and I've had this date marked on my calendar for a really long time. I'm looking forward to coming to Denver in October to share my secrets to raising private capital. I've raised millions using three specific, small, simple little questions that anyone can use, and I'm not going to hold anything back. If you're there, you're going to know them, and you'll be able to raise millions too. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam AAA. Adams, and I am joined with uh, a friend of mine who's also a member of our one of one of the masterminds that I host, and he is crushing it. I just want to give you one quick example. His first deal, his first commercial deal, was approximately a year ago, and during that deal, what happened was he bought it for four million dollars. It was a vacant property completely vacant, 30,000 square foot uh, commercial building that they were going to demolish and put up an apartment building. And he repurposed it with his other partners. It's going to blow you away. Here's the numbers on it. Purchase it for 4 million, increase the occupancy. And then he actually refinanced out the seller carry. Okay. We're on the creative real estate podcast, all about creativity making a win-win so he was able to negotiate seller carry but just i think it's nine months after they closed nine months he actually was able to refinance out the capital 
pay off the seller. He put this on a 15-year note, and he's still cash flowing. Luke, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about the part of your background that got you into what you're doing now. Well, hi. Thanks again for having me. Uh, so excited to be here. And uh, so a bit of my background, I started, uh, I've been in commercial for the last 10 years. I've worked for large-scale developers, uh, and I actually started as a uh, property manager. So I was the boots on the ground, making sure snow removal happened, making sure uh, everything, you know, landscaping looked great. But over that time, I grew from a property manager to a leasing person to an acquisitions person, and then uh, did development. And so it was a great training ground to learn all the facets that go with commercial real estate. And, and for me, uh, when I say commercial, uh, what I focus on is retail, office, uh, self-storage. Uh, I currently am not doing any multifamily or any residential. Uh, but what it taught me was how to create the right tenant mix, how to interview tenants, because tenants are your lifeblood in these properties, right? So they're the ones that Otherwise, these are just bricks and sticks. And so they're the ones that really make a property go. And so I was able to understand how do you operate a property the right way? How do you get inside the, the mind of a tenant so that you can understand what makes them successful? So ultimately, at the end of the day, if I make my tenant successful, I'll do just fine. So one of the things that you mentioned was you went from property manager and then you graduated to leasing agent is is that a normal hierarchy is leasing agent usually a, a better position to be in than the property management position yeah i think most property managers uh, some aspire to move out of that uh, management's a pretty thankless job uh, no no tenants call you and say hey thanks for making sure the snow removal was done this this time uh, or hey thanks for taking care of that roof leak uh, it's normally a pretty reactive position uh, whereas on the other end of the spectrum the uh, the leasing folks are the you know they, they get to go uh, talk to the tenants and they're the heroes they're the ones filling up the space so uh, it was a good progression but I wouldn't change the property management side of it because what I find is it's hard to be a great leasing person if you don't understand the costs that it takes to operate a center and to really know what it takes to, to make a center successful and a commercial property successful. So I wouldn't trade that, but it was a, it was a great natural progression. One of my takeaways from just the pre-interview, as we were just chatting and getting this all ready to go today, um, one of my takeaways is something that I'm hoping other people will also take away it was really important to you to find a niche. So you said, I don't look at anything residential and I'm, and I'm not in multifamily syndication. I, you know, so I'm doing something a little outside the norm. And I look at it like uh, red ocean, blue ocean. Mm -hmm. And uh, you are absolutely looking for the blue ocean. You're finding yourself a niche. And um, tell me, tell us a little bit more about what is that niche and, and how did you pick it? So uh, part of it, I'll start with the niche. Uh, the niche is commercial properties that uh, are, are underutilized, that need improvements. Um, you know, think of your, your fix and flips or your burst strategy with residential. Um, I'm taking a similar philosophy with commercial. Uh, the, the difference with commercial is there's so many different variables that I find. 
if you're in uh, residential, most of the comps are, you know, pretty, you, you can underwrite a property pretty quickly, right? It's very formulaic. Commercial, um, it's, it's, you know, very, very different. Uh, what's the parking? What's the visibility? What's the surrounding area? There's so many different things that go into it. But what I love about commercial is you get heavily rewarded for NOI, net operating income. And so while you may have a residential property and I may have a residential property that are the exact same size, if, if I'm collecting twice the rent you are, our, our properties are probably going to be valued similarly uh, from a comp perspective. But in commercial, if you have a property that has twice the NOI I do, and they're similar sizes and you know, similar comps, you get rewarded for that NOI. And so your property could be valued at twice what mine is. And so the niche that I found is finding properties and taking everything I've learned over the last decade and finding these commercial properties that need a higher level of sophistication, whether it's tenant mix or improvements that they need or uh, you know, getting the uh, entitlements through or change of use, change of occupancy and getting them to a more uh, a higher performance state. And by doing so, moving the value higher. Um, but what I call uh, these, these properties are, are breadcrumbs. Uh, these aren't, you're not driving by and, uh, you know, finding a, a Starbucks and a Chick-fil-A and that's the world I kind of came from, from a high level commercial standpoint. But these are the properties that could just be a 5,000 square foot building that's well located that just hasn't been improved for the last 20 years. And by doing so, creating value and uh, finding a great, great niche there. That's really cool. So there's a few things that you mentioned um, that I want to clarify uh, for they're all various reasons. One of them is you mentioned tenant mix and you mentioned how important that was. And I assume that having some tenant mix is really good. I, I understand that having some tenant mix is really good with multifamily. Sometimes depending on what area you're in, you're like, you're thinking to yourself, I want to have a certain amount of one bedroom. I want to have a certain amount of two bedroom. I want to have a certain amount of three bedrooms. And I want that to fulfill the needs of the area. So that if, if the area is all families and all I have is one bedrooms, you're not really fulfilling any needs. And you're probably going to sit vacant because your property's too small for the demographic. So I, I understand the concept around having a good tenant mix. But I believe when it, when it comes to having a commercial um, building that's not a commercial multifamily, but actually the type that you're doing, that the tenant mix is so much more important than anyone like me would ever expect. So if you could kind of share a little bit of the details on what you really look for in the tenant mix when you're um, filling up these properties. Yeah. So my philosophy is I always want the tenant's in the, any, any commercial property to try to benefit from each other. Uh, call it uh, cross-pollination. I want one to benefit from what the other one does. And so a good example is the property we, we kicked off with that um, we bought totally vacant. So it was, it was a blank slate, didn't have any tests. So not great news being vacant, but the good news is we could start with kind of who those tenants might be. Uh, because this is uh, the creative real estate podcast, this property is incredibly creative in the sense that the anchor tenant we put in this property is actually a charter school that 
was a brand new charter school that, uh, uh, frankly, a lot of landlords wouldn't give them the time of day. And uh, it's a public charter school. So they were approved through the school district in our, the, our area. And, but they brought a different level of, uh, a, a different education uh, focus, which filled a niche in our market. But we started with that because uh, they took about 15,000 square feet of this property and it filled a great niche in the community. And so we started with that. And when you talk about win, 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 we got a tenant, they got a great space and the community got a school that wouldn't have otherwise existed had we not took a chance on it. The reason I mention that is when you, uh, you hear about Amazon, you hear about retail is dead, you hear about malls dying, well, we took a lot of that discussion out of the picture with a school that as long as a chart, you know, as long as a public school has students, they get funding. And so uh, we started the project with that as our anchor. And then off of that, we said, well, who goes great with a school? Well, we had a, a martial arts studio that we found. Uh, they teach jujitsu. Well, you've got students all day long in this school. And then on the other end of this project, we put a martial arts studio so that the school during the day is full. Well, at night, nights and weekends, uh, the jujitsu studio is full because now every day, twice a day, students and teachers and parents are seeing that this martial arts school is there. So uh, we put them in, which allowed them to better utilize the parking which is always limited and uh, typically in a commercial property. And then we started to merchandise off of that. And we had a powerlifting gym that was interested and they fit well with the theme of uh, the, the jujitsu. You had another health user. Well, then we had a chiropractor that we found. Well, that works really well when you mess your back up after powerlifting. And then uh, we found a uh, massage tenant and uh, a health spa. And we're actually putting in Fort Collins first uh, float tanks. Uh, not sure Tell me what's a float tank? Oh, they're the very cool hyperbaric chambers. You, you lay in salt water uh, and it's so dense that you actually float. And so it's the first one in Fort Collins. They're in Rhino, they're in uh, Boulder, but none have come to Fort Collins. And so, but, but to tell you what type of uh, power Tenant Mix has is we put together a property that had health, education and wellness all put together. Um, and, and so it created that synergy where this tenant who didn't have a presence in Fort Collins before wanted to be a part of it. And, and so what's beautiful about it is the martial arts studio partners with the school, the powerlifting gym partners with the, the chiropractor, and they're all, they're all meeting without us, uh, the landlords, to talk about how do we cross promote? How do we help our businesses? And so it's, um, so back to the win-win scenario, everyone's, you know, partnering together, working well. And, and that's the synergy that really it's, it's a bit of an art, but uh, if it's done right, it creates a really great synergistic relationship between the tenants and the landlord and frankly, the community. That was very valuable. Thanks for diving into that and giving so much detail on the tenant mix. Um, the next questions that I had was when looking at commercial properties, I would have probably, and many people listening, hopefully I'm not the only one, would have probably skipped a couple of these things um, before we learned about them. One of them was parking. It's just, it's 
not so th- you're not thinking like when you're buying a house, it's like, of course you have a parking space when you're buying a commercial property. Um, sometimes you might not think, well, how many people do I need? How many spaces do I need? How, how big does a parking lot need to be? What am I going to put into this building because of the parking that is available? Um, so it's not something that had really might come up for everybody. Um, so parking, and then you mentioned visibility and then you said, etc. Et so I'd like to dive in a little bit on, uh, why is parking important? Why is visibility important? If people, uh, you know, see you in the, in the paper, are they not going to come? Uh, so parking visibility, and then tell me a little bit more about etc. Mm-hmm. So with, with parking, um, in the commercial realm, uh, it's, it's an extremely important. Uh, if your customers don't have a place to park, you know, if you're a restaurant and it's always great to see, you know, a full parking lot, but if I have to circle around three or four times, or I have to walk four blocks to get to you, I'm probably moving on. And so, uh, in, in the commercial realm and in the more sophisticated, you know, national tenants, they'll have prescriptive, we need so many parking spaces per thousand feet. Uh, and that can range from eight, nine, 10, 11, all the way up to 12 spaces per thousand feet that they require. Um, but every category is a little different. Off, office needs less parking. It's normally you know, three to four spaces per thousand square feet. And normal standard commercials around five that they typically require per thousand square feet. Uh, but again, if, if it's not available, um, they'll find a different location that, that'll offer it. And so uh, until we all get to self-driving cars and we don't have to <laughs> drive and park uh, and we'll have a car come pick us up, uh, it's gonna be a challenge. And so, uh, so it's, it's a big factor wherever it decides to go. And the visibility? Yeah, visibility, and this is more of traditional retail, um, but they wanna be, which is why you'll see all main arterial roads, uh, that's where Starbucks comes, that's where Chick-fil-A comes. They, they wanna be seen and visible. That's where T-Mobile, Verizon, they wanna be seen off of a uh, main street or an interstate, which is why you'll see large you know, format uh, properties go right up on the interstate. They want eyeballs and, so, uh, and they want easy accessibility. And so uh, visibility is one, but accessibility is, uh, you know, it's the, the old rules of real estate, uh, location, location, location. And so that's why basically every hard, you know, corner you see where there's a four-way stoplight, every corner probably has a gas station, a uh, drive-through restaurant, uh, you know, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, uh, and probably a Walgreens. And because they want to be not only seen, but they want it to be very convenient and easy to pull in and get to. And so you can have part of the et cetera, you can have incredible visibility, but if you can't get to it, cars are gonna drive right by and, and, you know, and your sales suffer. And, and so with that, uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in commercial is rent is a function of sales. And so uh, as landlords, we feel like we can, you know, and we're in a very great economy right now, so rents have been rising, but if the sales don't, reach a certain level and they can't be profitable, doesn't matter. Uh, That's where you'll see tenant turnover and vacancy happen. And so one of the biggest rules I learned when I was a property manager and talking to my tenants is how are your sales? Because if their sales are good, I know how much they can afford in rent. 
and then I know if I'm going to have vacancy soon or if they can afford the rent that I'm asking for. I love that. Thank you for going into it. Uh, what other uh, details or step-by-steps can the listener take from, from your story? If we want to do more, if we want to get into commercial tenants, self-storage, the things that you're doing and you're crushing it at, it looks like you made 3 million bucks on, on your first deal last year um, in just nine months. That's a pretty good salary. Um, so if the listener's thinking, how do I get into that? I mean, when I flip a house, it takes me nine months and I only make negative 20,000. So I'd rather make 3 million in nine months. How do I do what Luke McFedridge is doing? I think it starts much of the same principles of if you drive by and see a house that you go, boy, the, the weeds are overgrowing the, you know, it just looks like it needs some love. That's a good cue on a commercial property. Um, but two, I'd say get to know, you know, talk to other business owners, you know, talk to commercial, you know, uh, next time you're in a, a, a either a Starbucks or start to see what's the parking look like? What is it that they do there? Uh, talk to the managers and just ask questions because so much of commercial is really understanding. You're really underwriting the tenants. So getting to know who those tenants may be that may be in your buildings. And if you've got a buddy that's a chiropractor, talk to them about how they run their business and what they look for and how, you know, what's important to them and what makes them successful. Because commercial is really underwritten by the tenants that you put in the properties. Uh, otherwise, like I said, they're just bricks and sticks. And so really understanding what the tenants need uh, will really help you give a leg up on, you know, as you evaluate commercial properties. I, I love that you said that because I feel like I was recently underwritten as a tenant. I currently work um, about an hour from my house. Okay. So I live way up in Conifer, Colorado. It's in the, in the mountains and um, it takes me almost an hour to get to work every, every day. So I've been thinking, you know, I need to get an office right by my house. And then I, then I actually save two hours out of every, out of every single day. So I started calling commercial property managers, commercial leasing agents. And, and I, I saw this. So I go to the CrossFit gym about three, two or three miles from my house. And there's, there, there's an opening right, right next to the CrossFit gym. And I was thinking this would be perfect, right? I could go in, I, I could get my work done. I could record my podcast. I could re- record my modules for our online courses. And then when I need a break, I just walk next door and, uh, and I'm exercising. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm getting ready. And then I walk right back next door and I am ready to work. And I thought about how perfect that would be. And I called the, the, the landlord, the, the number on the, on the property management company. And I said to them, I said, Hey, uh, I'd like to rent this. And th- they were like, well, what do you do? And I was like, I'll pay you the money. That's what matters. I'll pay you the money. So just, can I rent it? And they're like, it depends. Like, what do you do? And I told them what I do. And they're like, well, I think that space is too big for you. And I'm like, no, but I want to be right next to the CrossFit gym. And they're just there. I just didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I didn't know that they were really uh, essentially underwriting me and how I would work within the rest of the tenants 
that were in on on that property i didn't realize that they were doing what you were doing how they were thinking that it needs to be cohesive it needs to have cross pollination between tenants so that i help them make more money on their other tenants i was I was small minded and I was like, dude, I'll pay you the $2,000. Just let me move in. <laughs> and, uh, and they wouldn't do it. So I thought that was really interesting that you brought it up just a couple of days after I was in, I experienced the exact same thing on the other side. So I learned a lot. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back for the final five. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their 9 to 5, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose, and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. And we're back with Luke McFetridge. Luke, I've been learning so much from you so far. I love what you're doing. Here's the final five. First question, what is the most creative deal you've ever done? Uh, well, uh, let's start with the one we let off with. Uh, buying a 30,000 square foot vacant property, uh, putting in a charter school in a commercially zoned district, uh, you know, vacant, uh, seller carry, you know, you name it. Uh, this one seemed to have it. Uh, we also even just bought the, uh, the LLC on this property, not even the, uh, uh, the, the LLC owned the fee real estate. So we ended up buying actually the LLC. So uh, I'd say that's by far the most creative uh, right out of the gate. Awesome. And what is a book that you would recommend that the listeners read? Um, the one I've most recently read that I've, I'm really obsessed with is the uh, Four Disciplines of Execution. Um, what I found is, uh, and you may find as well, but as an entrepreneur, uh, the, the, you know, just the, the craziness of the day, uh, shiny object syndrome, getting kind of uh, hooked on something. And so really focusing on you know, that strike zone, the things that are the most important, and then the lead and lag measures, they'll move those. So that's been my, my favorite recently. So I know that you have been super successful in commercial multifamily, or commercial, not multifamily. <laughs> I know you've been super successful within that, but it seems like this is something, even though you've made a lot of money doing it, it it's something you just started like last year. 
what were you doing five years ago? Could you paint that picture for us? Yeah, five years ago, uh, I was working on a $90 million mall redevelopment with the company I was working for. And uh, we were right in the thick of, uh, it was a 500,000 square foot mall that our company had bought. Um, uh, you know, the, we repositioned it. Uh, and so we were right in the middle of that. And that project had, uh, of course, you're doing entitlements, but it also had uh, a, a large scale department store that owned part of their property. Uh, we had to go through eminent domain to <laughs> help get the project off the ground. Uh, so five years ago, I was helping to get that uh, open. And uh, so uh, you talk about a great learning uh, opportunity. Uh, it took us about four years to get that project from start to finish from a traditional half million square foot indoor mall to a 500,000 square foot outdoor lifestyle center. And so uh, it was great experience. Really cool. Uh, tell us a little bit about what it looks like for you in five years. What's your vision? Uh, vision in five years is to really take this niche and, and keep in, enhancing and, and growing. Um, I'm a big uh, lifestyle design guy. So I am using real estate as, as that platform. So buying these properties, um, I haven't flipped any of them yet. They're all long-term holds and that's the current plan. And so creating passive income, cash flow. I'm a dad of a two, three and five-year-old boys. So focusing on being a great dad, being available for them and, uh, and giving back is a, a high priority for me. So that's where the next five years is, is build the flywheel and build that little machine. So you, you mentioned something. It's one of the final five. You were talking about giving back. So I, I understand how you're giving back to your family. Is there something that you're doing to give back to the community as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, I sit on uh, quite a few boards. Um, I uh, sometimes am a little careless with my time on boards, uh, but it's all for good reason. Uh, a couple of the groups I'm with, um, I uh, ended up forming what's called a business improvement district in Fort Collins. Uh, it basically took about um, two miles of Fort Collins and consolidated all the business owners in that area and formed a, a, a quasi-governmental entity that allows us to self-fund and basically put money directly into improving the uh, businesses in that area. Uh, it was the first business improvement district uh, done in Fort Collins, and it took about five years from start to finish to do. Uh, but you know, I truly do believe in small business. I think they're incredible generators uh, for the economy. Uh, when you look at what they do for not only the economy and employees and the surrounding community, I think uh, I, I think they're incredibly important. So this business improvement district focuses on those property owners and tries to create a corridor that will help support them. So so doing things like that, and then uh, I also participate in a, a group in uh, downtown Fort Collins where we host a golf tournament every year that raises about a hundred thousand uh, dollars that's generated for local charities. And so, uh, you know, I'm a big believer of using uh, your sphere of influence to try to do good things. And so hopefully with more time, I can do more of those things. Well, that's very, all very impressive. I'm uh, thinking about what I can do more now that I'm hearing all of this. And I love that you've created your lifestyle by design and to be able to work in all of these incredible things and help the community 
everything that you've shared, I'm, I'm jealous or I want to be a part of. So that's awesome stuff. How do people find you, Luke? If, if somebody's listening and you, you told them everything that they could really do to, to imitate what you've done, um, but they're not quite there and they want to ask you to pick your brain um, or something like this, how do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? Well, I'm admittedly pretty poor on uh, social media, so uh, I'll give you my email address, which is uh, luke at level-re.com, and uh, I'm happy to answer questions, uh, uh, hop on the phone, and uh, yeah, commercial is one of those interesting animals that uh, has a lot of, uh, a lot of different things that go with it, so I'd be happy to answer questions. Great. So I was able to put that into the Facebook live comments right now, and it'll also be right down in the show notes of the podcast. So it doesn't matter where you're listening to it. Just scroll down right now and you'll get Luke's email, which is Luke, L-U-K-E at level dash or hyphen R-E for real estate dot com. Luke, thanks for coming on the show. You have added so much value. I've learned so much from you. I'm grateful that you're a part of one of the masterminds that we run. I get so much value from you within that group, within that community. And I do absolutely recommend for the listeners to just reach out to you if they have any questions about this. I'll let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. I hope you decide to go ahead and grab your ticket to the Raising Money Summit this year. The networking is going to be outrageous. So, I hope you'll accept my invitation to come to the Raising Money Summit by going to RaisingMoneySummit.com. Check out the speaker lineup. Check out the already amazing ticket prices that we have. And grab your discount for it as well. Just put in podcast. So that's your promo code. That's your discount code. I definitely want to see you there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Hey, this is Matt Terrio of Epic Real Estate, and I've had this date marked on my calendar for a really long time. I'm looking forward to coming to Denver in October to share my secrets to raising private capital. I've raised millions using three specific, small, simple little questions that anyone can use, and I'm not going to hold anything back. If you're there, you're going to know them, and you'll be able to raise millions too. Hi, I'm Jillian Sidoti from one of the top syndication law firms in the country, Trowbridge Sidoti, crowdfundinglawyers.net. And there's a massive controversy going on right now in the world of raising private money. And that has to do with using your network to raise money for you. I see a lot of people doing this. I get a lot of phone calls about it. And a lot of people are doing it wrong. I want you to do it right. I want you to do it right. I want you to raise more money than you ever have before. And I want you to use your network. So I'm going to teach you how to rock your network for your money raising. You will raise more money this year than you ever have before if you follow what I tell you October 3rd through the 5th at the annual Raising Money Summit. It's in Denver. You need to join us. The annual Raising Money Summit, October 3rd through 5th. And I'm going to teach you how to rock your network to raise more money than you ever have before. Hey, this is Jason Yerusi of the Yerusi Holdings. Excited for the Raising Money Summit coming up in October. Going to be an awesome event. I'm going to be there giving you the four hurdles that you need to make sure you're surpassing so you can raise millions of dollars this next year from passive investors. It's going to be breaking down what I've done on past deals and how I use it going forward on all my future deals to make sure that I'm aligning with my passive investors. Looking forward to it.